And welcome to another edition of the Landlord and Tenant Podmess, the only podcast that has the balls to ask the question, can a landlord and tenant be buddies? Hi, everybody. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Landlord James. And I'm your other host. My name is Tenant Michael because I uh, am in the unfortunate uh, position of being a tenant in James's building. Um, I've lived here for about eight years. Um, James inherited this building. I'm a tenant, and that's just the way it is, baby. That's life. You know what I mean? That's life. That's the, the lot life gave you. Yeah. So we're back again for another uh, self-isolation uh, episode. I'm again, of course, in the bathroom where I've been hunkered down for the past 11 years, it seems. <laughs> no, it's only been about nine weeks. Come mm-hmm. on. You nine. know what that, you saying that made me think? Mirror in the bathroom. Mirror in the bathroom, please don't stink. You're like a man, a man, and a bing, bong, bing. I don't know the, the most of the lyrics, but... I think that it's interesting you brought that up. Mirror in the bathroom by the English Beat, or the Beat in the UK. Um, that might be one of the all-time greatest um, bathroom songs, don't you think? <laughs> wow, that's a great, great uh, topic. Best what, bathroom songs of all time. Woo. What are some Boy, other ones? Think. Did Peter Gabriel have a song about using the bathroom? I can't remember the name. Mm, there might have been a lyric in Salisbury Hill about having the runs. Yeah. Hmm. He always brought that up. Uh, in, yeah. In Sledgehammer brought that up. In, yeah. 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 I think he might have had IBS. <laughs> yes. But yeah, Mirror in the Bathroom combined two things that were huge in the early 80s, uh, mm-hmm. ska music, the ska music mm-hmm. revival, and uh, bathrooms, you know, <laughs> toilets, sinks, showers, all that stuff. No, that was the peak of bathroom lifestyle for sure. If you ever look back at like, you know, fancy mansions in the 80s, those bathrooms were nuts, mm-hmm. you know, simpler um, time. Uh, anyway, so how's it going in the bathroom, Mike? I don't see you or even talk to you other than when we do the podcast, so I'm always curious when I hear a noise or two in there. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, um, I gotta be honest with you, I, I like to be a little ray of sunshine for our listeners, I like to keep up Mm. the listeners' spirits with fun, fun stories and anecdotes about my life, but this week I have to admit I'm a, I'm a bit worse for wear, let's say. Oh, I'm sorry to hear, what happened? Well, uh, it's a little embarrassing for me to tell you this. Um, You know, like a lot of people who are self-isolating, I am desperate these days for really any human contact. Uh Um, You know, I'm feeling a case. uh, I've I've had. I'm self-diagnosing with a case of the lonelies, and uh, Mm. as you know, I'm in an E relationship with a woman that we uh, we communicate over Zoom or Skype or FaceTime and things like that. Um, Right, busy bitch. Well, yes, that's her name. She is a, a I guess, former uh, prisoner. She's a lifelong criminal uh, who I met when I was a guard at a women's prison here in Toronto. And uh, she gave herself that nickname. Not you, yeah, not yeah. me. Yeah, it's, that's not me, yeah. you know, making fun. That That is her nickname. She wears it as a badge of honor, actually. And uh, anyway. And I, and I think you were saying she got that nickname because she was so busy... Committing crimes, I guess. She was so prolific. Yeah. Like, committing crimes 
that everyone wanted every like her friends were always like you're you're certainly very busy breaking yep. the law you're very busy you know when when can i when can we go out for drinks when can we meet for for dinner she was too busy yeah yeah so anyway, uh, me and Busy B, we can't meet up in person because, you know, we're doing the responsible thing and I'm lonely. So I, I, I admit it, I snapped the other night and I actually... You did. I built basically an artificial lady um, meant to resemble Busy B. I built her out of a the plunger here in the bathroom and an old scouring pad in the corner of the bathtub. And I, I sort of rigged it together. I taped it. I... <laughs> Held together with some soap, and uh, you know, I turned the lights down a little bit, and we—I did. I, I admit it, I did a little bit of uh, kissing and squeezing, and we had, we danced a bit near the toilet. And uh, well, for all my troubles, I woke up the next morning, and I don't know what it was. I don't know if the scouring pad, the, the you know, the sponge thing. I guess it must have been crawling with bacteria, because I woke up with a mother. Of a cold sore here on my lip, if you see. Yeah, that. I can see I over the Skype. Yeah, and uh, I do also have uh, some sort of yellow pustules uh, on my thigh. I'll show you here on the Zoom. Uh, I'll just raise oh, my leg. Oh God! Here. And I believe that is also related to this uh, this artificial lady I created. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest. I mean, that plunger might have something to do with it. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm sure not putting the plunger in the washing machine. Are you? No, and I no. haven't been scrubbing it in the tub, and I'm sure you haven't. So, I, Lord knows no, what no, lives on the there. Thing. And I don't know. I don't. I can't really speak to that sponge thing you're using either, Mike. Um, yeah. You know, in retrospect, it may not have been a great idea to create uh, an artificial version of your girlfriend. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner in the uh, rationality yeah. Olympics here. Of course, you're right, James. Of course, I was a, f- I was a fool to do that. But um, you know, when when a fellow's lonely. Strange things, uh, I suppose, can happen. I guess that's true. I think usually if I'm lonely, maybe I, you know, Zoom with a friend or, yeah. you know, if I'm lonely in a sex way, maybe I wank off. I wouldn't I wouldn't usually jump to making an artificial version of someone I know and then yeah. having an evening with that thing. But well, we're two different guys, I suppose. We're two different guys. We approach things different ways. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope, I mean, have you, have you zoomed with Busy Bee since you got this big, uh, big coal sore on your face? No, I keep blowing her off because I'm too ashamed of my yeah. appearance right now with this great big cold sore and I don't want her to see it and start asking, you know, questions like, have you been, uh, maybe, where, maybe you, you could, li- yeah, maybe you could lie and be like, oh, it's a popcorn kernel. I was just eating some popcorn and, and it got stuck to my face. Yes. Yeah, that's not a bad excuse. Maybe, maybe I was eating maybe yeah. I was eating honey earlier and then I ate some popcorn and now <laughs> the the popcorn stuck to some honey on my lip. <laughs> oh, now you're making me hungry. <laughs> oh saying, yeah, yeah. Saying those those words. Yeah. Well, that's Do you think Busy B will be will be happy that you like if you told her you made this sort of version of her, I wonder if she'd be flattered or be like No sir. Of, Oh no, really. She is jealous with a capital J. Really, even of an you know a non you know a, a non sentient thing like an artificial lady. Wow, you know an inanimate object. She's still jealous. She will be. Really? Yeah. And yet, and you were saying though that she's Polly. She is. Yeah. So she's allowed to have as many partners as she wants, and believe me, she does. And I am limited to only her, and she wow. watches me like a hawk online. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. 
even even into quarantine times. That's something else. Wow. Well, you know, I guess it takes all kinds, and uh, we're not supposed to judge other people's relationships now. So I guess I can't judge you. Thank you. I'm tempted to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, keep it to yourself. Um, How has your week been, James? Here I am talking uh, a blue streak about myself, and I haven't even asked uh, how you are. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You were being kind of a jerk there. Um, yeah, my week's been fine. You know, I'm I'm living in the rest of the apartment. I'm sort of lounging about. There's not a ton to do. No. You know, I sometimes I think, oh, should I read a book or something? But then I'm like, not going to do that, obviously. So I've been doing a lot of gaming, watching TV, you know, Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, uh, you know, all the all the dating apps. Right. Um, but actually, I, I found one thing that kind of... Um, that kind of piqued my interest in this time. You know, sport, there's no sports right now, right? So you can't do sports nope. betting, which I usually do. Yeah. But there's a different kind of betting that's been kind of fun. And of course, I'm talking about the stock market. Oh, yeah, I'm getting okay. into stocks. I'm really getting into stocks. I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, have you ever, do you do you uh, partake in the stock market, Mike? I do not. I admit I don't understand a damn thing about the stock market. When I see that ticker crawling across the screen on... Uh, CNN or CP twenty four. I I have no idea what the hell it means. Well, you're what you're what guys like me call a mark then, because we're okay. gonna we're, guys like me are gonna find you and be like, hey, could you invest some money in our in this dumb stock? Right. Like Leo, remember in in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Not Wall Street. Not that you have money to invest. Yeah. yeah. Although again, you don't have money to invest. So, but Not, if you ever got some. Not at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I've been investing in some stocks and doing some research, and I think. I actually found, I think I found an angle on how to make money right now. Because just because there's coronavirus and people are right. quarantined and a lot of businesses are shut, some businesses are booming. And there is an opportunity right now to make the most of this bad time and make yourself a little money thanks to coronavirus. Always the entrepreneur, aren't yeah. you? Even in the midst of a, you know a global disaster. Interesting. It's an opportunity. It's yeah. an opportunity. And you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about setting something up where I give st- out stock tips for, for money. But I might be – I have three stocks I think are must-buys right now. Okay. And I'd be willing to uh, – just because we love the audience, I'd be willing to give a couple tips to the audience if, uh, if you think that'd be fun. Please, sir, go ahead. Please uh, enlighten our audience uh, with how they should invest their hard-earned cash. Okay, great. So um, let me give you these three stock tips I have that um, I really think are going to take off, and I really encourage everyone to, to, to jump on board. Right. Take um, it away, monsieur. Okay, well, the first stock tip I'm going to suggest is a, a stock for a company called The Adjuster. Interesting name. The Adjuster. And the adjust, what The Adjuster is, is it's a gun, which I'm always a big fan of investing in weapons and uh, uh, means of warfare. Anyway, I, this is a gun that's special because it doesn't, it doesn't just shoot somebody. When it shoots somebody, it also sterilizes the person that's been shot. So... Oh. In a post-apocalyptic landscape, there are fewer people to contend with. Right. So, so you know, if we're talking in a battleground situation, you shoot somebody, maybe he doesn't die, but you know he's not going to have any more kids down the line. Right. So you shut down his his uh, reproductive capabilities. Now, can I ask just how, I mean, this is a diabolical sounding uh, weapon. I, I thought you were going to offer stocks about, you know, uh, futures or oil. Um, how does the actual sterilization process work with this kind of gun? Like what, what's going on there? Uh, the gun drips, I don't know, some kind of serum on the bullet. 
Okay. Yeah. And and this is you said you you uh, are expecting stocks about futures. This is the future, FYI. Okay. Um here's another stock tip I have. Um it's and this is this will make you happy. It's not a gun. It's actually a food company. It's a company that makes bread and it's called Nana's Loaf. Oh, that sounds much more wholesome than the last thing. It it well, it's it's a new kind of bread. It's uh, it's really good tasting, mm. and uh, they they have great uh, EBITDA, which is a term you know that it's a complicated term, but their their profits are very good. Nana's okay. loaf, and um, the reason I like this bread a lot is because um, this bread is specially marketed towards men. It's so about it's kind time. Of that yes, it is about damn effing time and so this bread nana's loaf it has a black bag you know it's got like a skull on the bag the branding's really masculine which i like yeah and also an interesting thing is that when men eat the bread what they don't know is the bread does sterilize the person so that in a post-apocalyptic landscape there are fewer people to contend with oh i yeah so you eat the bread you don't realize you you give this bread like as a gift to sort of see another strong man in your village yeah and then down the line, 20 years from now, you're not going to have to contend with his son when you're 60. You know what I mean? So your genetics went out in the end. So that was a yeah. surprise ending to your description of the bread. I wasn't expecting oh. that sterilization part. And that sounds really? uh, that sounds like a, a nightmare, actually. Well, it's just adapting to the new reality where, you know, yeah. strongest guy wins. Mm, and youth so. is a threat. So we'll leave it at that. Right. I have one more little tip. Oh, sure. Sure. Might as well. One more stock tip, folks out there. And again, this is probably more more your speed, Mike. It's a dog whistle. Oh, here, boy. <laughs> Mike, I can't believe you said here, boy. The name of the dog whistle is called Here Boy. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yes, clearly oh, well named. Well, I was just free associating because I heard yeah, the word no, dog. Yeah, no, well done. And, Good improv. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a dog whistle called Here Boy. And it's fun. It's red. Mm. It's People are going to love it. People are still going to want to have fun with their dogs post-coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, Post-collapse of civilization. The nice thing about this dog whistle is mm-hmm. that when you blow it, it makes the dog bite the owner's balls, sterilizing them and... <laughs> making fewer people to contend with in a post-apocalyptic situation so oh my so you, God. again you give the whistle to someone you don't want to have kids mike we're all going to be yeah, living in it. small bands of people and yeah. you just want fewer strong men you want to be the only strong guy then everyone's your wife right. no one's going to try to kill you it's going to be like a lion pride it seems like you're almost obsessed with sterilizing all other males in your in your vicinity um well i can't say that i approve of these products and these stocks but um you know who am, i'm not uh, the listeners uh, i'm not their father so i can't tell them how to spend their money uh so before we move on to our our segment we should uh, mention our patreon mm-hmm. and thanks so much we've had some new people on there yes um if you subscribe to our patreon we do a bonus episodes yes and um soon we're gonna i mean i don't know when but we're gonna send t-shirts i'm gonna do this James is making some... You're, you're sewing them on the loom. I'm sewing them have with our new logo. Yeah. And we're so grateful. What's the address, Mike? Patreon.com slash Landlord Tenant. Tell your friends and tell your pals. Yeah. And thank you so much to the people who do it. We are very yes. grateful. That is for sure. Yeah. Uh, in this wacky time. Also, we're on Twitter at LT Podmas. We're on Instagram at LT Podmas. And we never say this, but I feel like we should be saying, please, could you rate and review us? Because uh, we've never said that. No. But then every other podcast says that. Yes. So now I'm thinking we should probably say that too. It probably helps. 
Okay. So maybe on to the segment. Absolutely. So this is a, a bit of a raucous segment. Uh, <laughs> you might want to crank it uh, if you feel like you need to get wild. Uh, there's a story this week that uh, the acoustic electric guitar that Kurt Cobain played during the iconic 1993 MTV Unplugged album that Nirvana made just before the gentleman passed. Uh, that guitar is going up for auction next month, and it's expected, well, it's starting at $1 million, and it's expected to, to fetch much more than that. That's a lot of money wow. for, a, for a guitar, isn't it? So we thought it'd be funny, given this you know outrageous price for this Kurt Cobain guitar, to, uh, to take a look at some other exciting items that have fetched a lot of money on auction for this segment called The Landlord and Tenant Podmess Presents... Rock and Roll Auction! I can't wait to hear what fun music you're going to insert into here. Yeah. I'm going to start with a uh, Canadian uh, rock uh, piece of uh, you know, rock history. You know the Canadian rock legend Kim Mitchell, obviously. Obviously. He did Go For A Soda. He did Rock and Roll Duty. He was in the iconic uh, 70s Canadian uh, glam prog band uh, Max <laughs> Webster. Uh, but did you know that in 2015, at a Canadian auction, a very rare lock of Kim Mitchell's hair fetched $85,000? Wow. 85000 big ones. And it's rare because, you know, this stuff is, is scarcer than the dodo bird. The guy's been bald since the early 90s, right? You know, not a, not a follicle of hair on his head. Wow. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. that would be such uh, a rare find. That's a great point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and, and in addition to its rarity, they say that whoever possesses the lock of hair will have good fortune. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So uh, you almost it's like a it's there's some mysticism to do with his hair. Oh, there's a, there's a lot of mysticism to do with for his a long hair. time. I think he was bald at the top and had the long, beautiful, flowing hair down the sides. He absolutely did. Uh, he he rocked. And he that wore look. a ball cap. Yes, to yes. hide the bald part. Yeah, but everyone knew. Everyone had you know. Everyone mm. at least had a hunch <laughs> that there was something funny going on under that hat. Do you think that's sexy, long, flowing hair with a bald spot? Absolutely. I on mean, the it's top. A, yeah, it's a look that many men. Uh, continue to pull off in an exciting way. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You always see on the catwalk handsome, hot male models with that long, straight hair, and then a big, a big uh, cul-de-sac bald spot on the top. It's like, or like know. in CW shows, there's always this hot young stud with long, long, straight hair and the big bald spot on top. Go to any gym in the world, and you'll yep. see mostly the guys there look like that. That David Crosby, Kim Mitchell. Um, <laughs> Gallagher style, yeah. Yes, Gallagher. Yeah, it works. It really, really works. Yeah. If you're balding, you must let your hair grow as long as possible. Yeah. It's the only way. It's wonderful. Well, great one, Mike. Uh, here's my first uh, uh, rock celebrity item that was auctioned off that I thought was pretty notable. And that was something from Mr. Brian Adams, a certain Uh-oh. guy we talked about last week who got yeah. in quite a bit of trouble yes. for... Uh, you know, tweeting uh, tweeting some objectionable things. Anyway, Brian is a Canuck. He's written some killer songs, and uh, so he's not all bad, you know. Um, and he also uh, actually donated a, fam- a really nice, uh, you know, interesting item to auction 
um, I think maybe because he felt bad about about what happened last right. week with yeah, his whole yeah. tweet. So he thought, I'm going to make it up. I'm going to donate something and have it auctioned off and raise money for charity. And um, he actually uh, donated his acne cream. <laughs> Because, really? you know, he's got that sort of some issues there on the old face. And he was actually able to raise uh, $26, which is pretty good because mm. it's Spectro Gel, which you can get at Shoppers Drug Mart. And it's usually 13 for yes. a big bottle. And this one got uh, a double. So, I mean, you add the celebrity factor to it and his recent yeah. notoriety. And then you can, mm. uh, yeah, I can see why it would fetch double the price. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to some uh, some Yankee musicians here for our mm. American listeners. Um, did you know that in uh, 1999, uh, Paul Simon had a, a personal item uh, fetch quite a bit of money on the auction block? Oh, what was it? Well, interesting you should ask. Uh, it was his gun. Oh. Paul Simon's famous gun. You know that famous Smith & Wesson Model 2944 Magnum handgun that he's... He's all he always used to be pictured with until he auctioned it off, right? Wow. Uh it's one of the most powerful handguns that was available at the time and of course it was made famous by Clint Eastwood in the Dirty Harry movies and Paul Simon, you know, it surprises a lot of people who don't know a lot about him, but he the guy loves gangster movies, he loves <laughs> hunting, he loves uh the idea of protecting his home using firearms. <laughs> He's a huge NRA guy. And wow. he used to always pack heat. He uh, loved firing his gun when he got excited. You know, when he got an idea for a song, walking down the street of New York, he'd be like, oh, wow. And he'd start firing his gun in the air. Um, and it got him in trouble more than once. And um, he even, did you know this, he wanted to add gunshots to the famous Simon and Garfunkel song, Bridge Over Troubled, Troubled Water, right? Oh. Can you imagine how out of place that would have sounded? Um, but Art Garfunkel... Sort of like in the song Paper Planes? Absolutely. Yes. Wow. Like a bridge. Um, but Garfunkel talked him out of it and said, he sat him down and he said, Paul, what are you thinking? Um, but anyway, yeah, Paul Simon's famous gun went for a million dollars at auction in 1999. Wow. Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. Has quite a recoil to that gun. And Paul Simon's not a huge guy. A little guy. So He's a little guy. Imagine him pulling the gun and being like, boom blown across the room like in a looney tunes uh, oh that's kind of fun to imagine it is um although if he got flung backwards you wouldn't really be able to tell in his face because i think he's had a lot of plastic surgery i don't know if you've seen him lately are you sure he looks pretty natural to me like the face Mm. of a the average 78 year old man (laughs) yeah nary a wrinkle on there no no smooth as heck yeah Mm mm-hmm uh, okay, here's my uh, a second item I saw uh, up for auction from a rock superstar that I thought was uh, pretty interesting, uh, and that is from a Mr. Alan Parsons. Mm-hmm. Now, I encourage you to Google Alan Parsons if you don't know what he looks like. He's kind of a big old British man. Okay. Um, they, his band sang the song Eye in the Sky, which is one of my all-time favorites. And he had a project, famously. Yes, the Alan Parsons Project. And they sang uh, that song, or they, they they played that song, which maybe, I think it's called Sirius, but they played it at a lot of sporting events. Right. He does he anyway, does look like a, I'm just looking at him now, he looks like just a big, a big kind of dumpy guy you'd see in a, like in a British pub, maybe eating yes, like a Yes, he pie. looks like a darts, he looks, yeah. <laughs> yes, he looks like a darts player, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, anyway. He recently auctioned off his hard-boiled egg stockpile. 
In the 70s and 80s, when Alan Parsons' project was really big, um, Alan Parsons famously had a big hard-boiled egg stockpile in case, you know, eggs ever uh, became scarce or, you know, there was food right. shortages. He'd always have his hard-boiled eggs. Right. So he had a, he had hundreds of thousands of them. And he, had, he just has too many. He's realized he's never going to eat them all. So he's, uh, he's auctioned half off of his famous stockpile. I mean, the wife and, must be on yeah. his back all the time, you know. Yeah. Where are these eggs? Um, yeah, they, they, their whole pool house in California is just was just filled with hard-boiled eggs, peeled and everything, ugh. just a bunch of Ziploc bags. Imagine the smell. Mm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, they couldn't go in the pool anymore yeah. because the smell coming from the pool house <laughs> was just, you know. But Alan, Alan doesn't even notice because he, you he's know, used he to loves, it. he's used to it. So and it anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he auctioned off like about half of his hard boiled egg stockpile, so about one hundred ten thousand of them. Wow! And uh, yeah, he came away with uh, over a million. Pretty good for Alan. He, yeah, you know, he made Pretty made good. some dough. And he weeped apparently at the <laughs> transaction, even though it was so much money. He weeped because he was really sad to let let go of those oh, eggs. Alan, oh, that's sad to hear. <laughs> Definitely Google Alan Parsons if you don't know what he looks like. I'll put a link to Alan Parsons in the <laughs> show description. Uh, so my third and final rock and roll auction item that just blows my mind. Um, you're familiar with the the, uh, the new metal band Limp Bizkit, of course. They were very oh, yeah. famous in the late 90s and the early Wham, It's just one of those days when you don't want to yep. wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yes, ding, 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 bingo. Um, well, in uh, 2006... Did you know that uh, the hot dog, yeah, the hot dog that inspired Fred Durst to name the Limp Biscuit album Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water, fetched $4 million at auction. Sotheby's. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, a, it's an interesting story. He, in 1999, he was going for a stroll. He was out of inspiration, right? No mm. idea, no, no new ideas for rap rock songs. Uh, and he went for a stroll on Venice Beach right there in, in California, and he was hopeless, you know. Uh, Some say he was going to just walk into the ocean. But then he walked oh by no. a hot dog vendor, and he, he, he smelled what was cooking, and he bought a hot dog, and he said, you know, I'll have the works, buddy. I'm talking pickles and onions and relish and ketchup <laughs> and mustard and some cheese, right? And... um. The hot dog was so good that Fred thought, hmm, what's this? Ah, and he started getting all these crazy ideas for songs and the album that he wanted to make. And um, he was so thankful to the hot dog that he didn't finish eating it. And he put it in a Ziploc bag (laughs) and took it home. And uh, he never finished it. And that hot dog, yeah, it went on to get $4 million at auction. Wow. Because I always thought the album... Uh, chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water was sort of a body sex, uh, you know, hmm. reference. You know, well, I wouldn't put it past Fred to add you know those layers to it, but huh. the uh, origin of that album's title is a lot more mundane than you might you might interesting. Think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that song, "Break Stuff." Yeah, give me something to break. <laughs> Though you don't want to be singing that song when you're walking around an art gallery or a jewelry <laughs> store, right? You know what? That's such a good point because I mm-hmm. often find myself singing that. And yeah, if you were in a Fabergé egg uh, emporium, yeah. you don't want to be whistling Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit. You'll That's get a great video on worth you. looking yeah. up on YouTube. 
I think um, there are cameos from Snoop Dogg, Jonathan Davis of Corn, and Polly Shore. Whoa, all the big players in the new metal scene. Yes, <laughs> so check it out. Um, well, here's my final uh, celebrity auction, rock and roll uh, <laughs> auction item. Um, and that is from uh, Mr. Corey Taylor, who was the front man for, any guesses, Mike? I think uh, you'd like this band. I'm drawing a blank. I know Corey Haim. I know Corey Feldman. I don't know who this is. <laughs> well, this is Corey Taylor. He was the front man for the 12-person band Slipknot. I think there was 12 people, somewhere around there. Oh, the Mask Boys. Yeah. Yes. They, they were from Iowa, and they wore scary masks and sang a lot of wacky songs, I think it's safe to say. Um, I think they had one called uh, Wait and Bleed that was a big right. hit. Anyway. Uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot has auctioned off his Nintendo 3DS. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. What's a 3DS? Switch is the big uh, system now. No, no, no. Prior to Nintendo Switch, the the, the biggest selling uh, portable, you know, game system Nintendo made was the, the Nintendo 3DS. It was really popular. A lot of great games on there. Mario Kart, uh, its own mm. Zelda. <laughs> the list goes on and on. Final Fantasy. So, um, Corey Taylor loved his Nintendo 3DS and, uh... Thought it was time to part now that he has a switch, so he he sold it off and and he made uh, seven hundred bucks. Not a great, not a killing, but no, you know, better than letting it, you know, just collect dust in the attic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, seven hundred bucks for you know now that now that the switch is out, you know, you could get three DSs for for a <laughs> lot cheaper. So I'm surprised he couldn't get more from like a diehard uh, Slipknot fan. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I know Nintendo was in talks to make a Slipknot game. Oh, really? But unfortunately, you know, they never got around to it. So that might have been a result well, of the low bids. Every time Slipknot did anything, they had to come to a complete agreement among all 12 of them. And you can imagine yeah. how difficult that was. Just imagine them trying to pick the restaurant they're going to eat their supper at when they're on tour. Yeah. Well, I know they were, they were in talks to have, like, the Slipknot, the slip, own a Slipknot version of Mario Kart, really? called Slipknot Kart, and uh, <laughs> That's all a the cool char- name. I like, yeah. It. And yeah. all the all the characters were you know drove their own car, and they would oh. kind of fit their personality. Like one guy's car was just sort of a mutilated corpse, and Ugh. another guy's car was like a, a decapitated monkey head with wheels on it. Ugh. So like they kind of fit the characters, which is kind of fun. Yeah. But yeah, never got going. Never, never got off the ground. Unfortunately, one of those great video game what ifs. <laughs> yes, if Slipknot had made their own Mario Kart game, <laughs> you wonder. Yeah, you know, you do. You wonder Mario Kart might be considered bullshit at this point because yeah. everyone, all oh, kids, would just be rushing to get the new <laughs> Slipknot Kart. <laughs> oh, it's too bad. I wish. I wish I you hadn't. Told Corey me. Taylor was a was a Bernie guy. I'm pretty sure Slipknot played a Bernie fundraiser in iowa at the iowa caucus really i i can see bernie like getting in the pit (laughs) out of my way and then like just like getting on stage and then like stage diving and then like being carried around by like screaming fans and like (laughs) people equal shit (laughs) so that concludes our famous segment a trip to the rock and roll auction All right. Um, Well, let's take a darn break here and come back with our guest. (laughs) 
Now it's time to check in on the Landlord and Tenant Podmess listener line. Your chance to sound off about stuff you hear on the show. Hi, James and Michael. It's a uh, sometimes guest and longtime listener of the pod, Bryn Potty. I'm uh, just coming back from my nightly walk out to the fish plant and back, and I was listening to your most recent ep. Um, you and James, had, <laughs> Michael and James, had had a disagreement about um, uh, full body massages or, or body slide massages. And uh, a really good friend of mine actually used to be that kind of uh, sex masseuse in Toronto. And um, she said that uh, for very religious men, like Michael perhaps, uh, there's a marriage ceremony that these religious men will perform with the masseuse before the massage begins. Um, so that they are technically married during the massage, but after the man ejaculates, uh, the marriage is automatically annulled. So it's kind of a little loophole that some guys use to, um, to get erotic massages um, and not make God too upset about it. Anyway, I just uh, thought that was a little interesting factoid you guys might uh, want to hear about. Um, so yeah, have a good day. Greetings from Lunenburg. If you have something you want to say to us, shoot us a message at LTPodMess on Twitter or Instagram. And welcome back to the show, everybody. We have a a, uh, a guest this week who's returning for her second appearance on the show, and it's been far too long since we've heard her voice on the airwaves here. Uh, she is a podcaster, a writer, comedian, actress, and singer. It's Jocelyn Getty. Hello! Thank you for having me on the show. Hi, Jocelyn. Thanks for coming back on. Oh, it's a thrill. I'm so delighted that you asked. Are you real? Are you a singer, or did Mike just get excited that is actually true um a, a secret fact about me is that my sisters and i were in uh an opera chorus for kids growing up and Ooh. they would farm us out to be in operas every time they needed children in them so when i was 12 i was in like um the canadian opera company's hansel and gretel for wow. a couple of Whoa. weeks yeah it was you just show up and you basically like wait until the very end of the show where the witch is dead so you've been waiting for two and a half hours <laughs> Hours. And then you sort of run around stage and you eat an arrowroot cookie. It was very glamorous. Wow. That's Were you impressive. Ever, I know it's not opera, but did you ever get to to sing in, in Les Mis as a child? Because that was a that was like a, a uh, sort of a prime role for a child performer in, in Toronto for a yes. while. That was yes. I I always wanted to. I never got to. Um, we oh, found no. out actually. <laughs> we found out all of the kids at our choir found out that we had been approached by the Donny Osmond uh, revival of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I saw that kids in that. Did you see that? Oh and yeah. Our uh, opera company was like. Absolutely not. We're needed in some sort of Czechoslovakian opera. <laughs> so we're all like, what the hell? <laughs> no, we um our our opera little thing was very snobby. Actually, people were banned from singing any songs from Les Mis because there was one year where too many little girls auditioned uh, by singing um, uh, young Cazette songs. So they're like, no one can do it anymore. So no, I never got to be in Les Mis, but that was, was there, the dream. Wow. Was there like a, a sign on the audition room door that just had the words "Castle in a Cloud" and an X through it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then if you started to, started to sing it, they just pulled a lever and you drop through a trapdoor. 
<laughs> trapped in the bowels of the church forever, where we rehearsed. I feel like the like the buzz of the city in the early '90s was like the Blue Jays and like Phantom of the Opera and like all the big theatrical things. Like if you grew up in Toronto in the early '90s, you were all about the Phantom of the Opera. This is right? true. There was a yeah. lot of phantom buzz at the time. And did you know, um, Jeff, <laughs> the star of today's special was the phantom in Toronto yeah. for a long time? I, I knew that. No. I knew that I Jeff Hislop that. had played oh the phantom for a bit. Um, <laughs> was he the original one or was it like, did they get, what's his name? Um, oh, Michael, Michael Burgess? Michael <laughs> <laughs> well, he was the Canadian phantom. And the Canadian uh, yeah. Valjean, I think, in Les Mis. Anyway, he was everything. He was, I bet he had groupies. Oh, I feel yeah. like he had a lot of groupies. If I am remembering my deep cut phantom trivia, well, it was Colm <laughs> Wilkinson, um, Colm Wilkinson and Rebecca Kane, and then there was an incident where he accidentally broke her arm on stage, and then I think oh he was God. fired. Oh, Shit. boy. The Phantom was a rough place to be in the early Whoa. 90s. Remember when the chandelier would fall <laughs> uh, um, and you're in the crowd and you think it's going to fall on you? That was cool. Uh, yeah, that I, was really intense. I don't think he, he injured any women on stage, but I know <laughs> that Paul Stanley of Kiss did a very brief run towards the end of, of when Phantom of the Opera was playing in Toronto. He did like six weeks, I think, as Phantom. And... Uh, mm-hmm. Possibly Sebastian Bach, who had been the singer in Skid Row. I guess they had to resort to stunt casting to get uh, hard rock fans to come (laughs) see Phantom of the Opera. I don't know. Yes, the exact demographic of people you want to see Phantom of the Opera. I feel like the best thing about Phantom is that it's been, it is at this point the longest running show in Broadway history. Um, Mm. And because it's been running so long, a million things have gone wrong. And so there was, at least for time, it's now closed down, but there was a site that just was devoted to chronicling all of the bloopers, quote unquote, that have occurred in productions of Phantom over the years. Like, um, I feel like there was a night in the Broadway version where they were singing the big love ballad, All I Ask of You, and then Raul had to run off stage, but they didn't turn off his mic, so everyone just heard him loudly vomiting during the the love song. (laughs) (laughs) Or like the boat breaking, and yeah, or dumb stuff like that. When they're in the boat through what is, they don't really get into it in the show, but it (laughs) it is a boat sailing through a river of, of sewage. Yes. Of French yeah. shit. <laughs> Wait, I lost. Is this in Phantom or is this in Les Mis? It's Phantom. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, so they take a boat through shit, huh? Yeah, they really <laughs> sail through a lot of shit. You're right. They really, they really skate past the yeah. the idea that the Phantom is just a man named Eric who lives in the he toilet is. of France <laughs> and writes songs and loosely uh, catfishes a woman who lives upstairs. <laughs> Now, he's sort of like an unsuccessful present-day improviser or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's he's the Lin-Manuel Miranda of his time, just desperately trying to get across his improv skills, alienating everybody. I think, I can't remember if Jocelyn, you said this to me, or maybe Aaron Eves, but uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's um, <laughs> hip-hop improv troupe? Yes. Oh, man. What are they called? Love... Freestyle Love Supreme. Freestyle Love Supreme, yes. Which is a reference to the classic John Coltrane album, A Love Supreme. And I've got to say, if John Coltrane 
uh, who I, I believe was a very cool guy, I maybe died of a drug overdose, if <laughs> he cool. was alive and knew that a bunch of nerds <laughs> had called their improv troupe after one of his classic albums, I don't think he'd be very happy. Oh, I feel like he's spinning like a top at his grave. It was through all of their terrible Broadway run. Actually, um, John, my partner John and I were in New York when Freestyle Love Supreme was on Broadway. And while we were there, a friend had offered to get us tickets to a Broadway show and wanted to know if we wanted to see Freestyle Love Supreme or something else. And we opted to see the other thing. Um, and then I later I showed John the trailer for Freestyle Love Supreme's very embarrassing documentary where they're all too <laughs> earnest and playing clapping games. And he revealed that he had thought that the Broadway show was them freestyling around Love Supreme and not, as he described it, eight Jason Sudeikis lookalikes playing zip zap zap for upwards of 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, I wish God. I'd seen it, actually. I really wish we had gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, what my did you God. do instead of seeing that... Uh, <laughs> that terrible show. <laughs> Instead, we saw the show Sleep No More twice, oh, okay. um, which was very fun. The first time, Don was very good and actually explored the entire space and saw a lot of the sort of uh, cool scenes that you're supposed to see. And I did a very bad job and got tired and um, was shouted at for eating candy out of one of the sets, which I thought <laughs> so, was like readily available. So Sleep No More, I'm. it's a... It's like you go in a house and then there's plays in a bunch of different rooms or something? Kind of, yeah. It's like an old abandoned nightclub and then they've turned it into an immersive staging of Macbeth, but only with dance. So Hmm. um, you you go, it's kind of like a haunted house. You're led into this little speakeasy and then you have to wear a Venetian mask. And then if you see a scene happening, you have to just like run after the people doing it. So it's (laughs) kind of intense because Macbeth will show up and he'll do a little dance and sort of make a grunting sound and then run away and then like a bunch the of people <laughs> and then you sort of had to like muscle your way through to see the seed um or try to get up high and i'm not good at running so i got left behind a lot it was just like i don't need to see that that's fine but then i never really saw anything tr- through to its end um, <laughs> but some people are great. They like they'll go on Tumblr and be like, if you follow this person to this room, you'll get a private interaction, and and someone will make you a paper boat and tell you to find the porter of the hotel. And I didn't get any of that. I was just like, I'm tired. <laughs> wow. <laughs> was the mask element? Did it feel a little eyes wide shutty? Oh, it's so eyes wide shutty. Yeah, yes. it sounds that way. It's eyes wide shutty, but in a way where you will walk past some eyes wide shut people and they'll be surreptitiously checking their iPhones or being like, where's Macbeth? <laughs> <laughs> Jocelyn, before we pressed record, you had mentioned that you were, uh, before we called you, you were catching up on the latest Broadway gossip uh, online. <laughs> what is the breaking news? What is the dish? What is, uh, what is the tea? Oh my gosh, so glad you asked. Okay, well, um, first of all, 
Patty Lapone is very upset because they did a night celebrating Stephen Sondheim's, I believe, 90th birthday over Zoom. Mm-hmm. It was a complete disaster. No one understood how to use Zoom properly, so a lot of the performances were totally silent. But when they finally figured it out, um, they had Audra McDonald, Meryl Streep, and I think Christine Baranski sing the Whoa. song The Ladies Who Lunch from Company. Um, however, before all of this started, Patti Lapone was playing um, Elaine and company who sings that part. She was very offended not to have been asked, Uh-oh. has been mouthing off about it on Twitter. Not happy. Who um, is Patti Lapone, if I can ask? Oh, I'm so, what a wonderful question. Patti Lapone is the original star of Evita. Um, won a Tony for that. Then she was the first Fantine ever in Les Miserables. Um, and then, but only did it in London. Then she's most notable for being fired from the <laughs> London run of Sunset Boulevard uh, by Andrew Lloyd Webber. She sued him. Um, she named her pool after him because she successfully got $1 million out of the deal. And apparently she also trashed her dressing room when she found out. Like they told her right before the show that she was fired and she just trashed a London dressing room and threw a lamp through the window. Wow. Fun to see. Um, then she huh. came back to Broadway. She won a Tony for Gypsy. Um, and then she did a very bad musical that everyone hated uh, about makeup <laughs> called War Paint. And now she <laughs> mostly kind of mouths off and and drinks a lot. Can I ask? She's very chaotic. Wow. Yes. What happened that, that uh, Sir Andrew fired her from the London production of Sunset Boulevard? <laughs> Um, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber is a bit of a messy bitch who <laughs> likes to triple cast his shows before they come to Broadway to sort of drum up a lot of interest. So without kind of telling anyone he cast, he had three productions of Sunset Boulevard running simultaneously. Uh, one in London that had Patti Lapone, one in L.A. that had uh, Glenn Close in it, and then one I, maybe in Boston that had Faye Dunaway. And all oh. three performances got very bad reviews, but Glenn Close's <laughs> got slightly better reviews. So based on that, he was like, Glenn Close is the only one for me, except he had promised Patti Lapone in her contract that she'd take the role to Broadway. So it was technically breach of contract. But he loves to do this. He loves to pit people against each other. Sir Andrew. Hmm. My goodness. Is he still alive? I don't know anything yes. about this stuff. Yes. He's still alive? <laughs> he is wow. still alive. He, he Recently, he has been trying to write bad sequels to his musicals. He <laughs> wrote a very bad sequel to Phantom of the Opera called Love Never Dies. Um, oh. It was delayed because he was writing it entirely on his Casio keyboard and then his cat stepped on it and deleted everything. <laughs> <laughs> so he had to start again. And the it's then most he murdered famous. his cat. <laughs> and like, he killed all yeah. his cats. Um, and then it uh, it did really badly when it came out, and you find out that the Phantom and Christine had sex in the but, sewer. In the sewer. Yes. So I guess they. I would like to see that scene, but um, I guess <laughs> had they acclimatized to the probably overwhelming uh, smell of of shit. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like for for the titular Phantom, 
it's no longer an issue because he's so used to living in an actual toilet that yeah. it doesn't register for him. And for toilet Christine, man. yeah, he Toilet Man, famously known as Toilet Man, um, in in and out of the musical. But for Christine, I feel like it's a real close peg on the nose. Get mm. get into it scenario. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. There's Precisely. A, there's <laughs> a song in. Can... Uh, oh, sorry. Mm. I was just gonna say, I I feel like he should have just called it Phantom of the Opera Two. I agree. He really should have just called it Phantom of the Opera Two. I think the love never dies was confusing. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that it was weirdly set in Coney Island was very confusing. <laughs> was um, it? Apparently it was, and not huh. in the in the toilet we'd all come to know and love from the first one. I am the Phantom. I travel from toilets in Europe and to all the way to North America. I love I toilets. Through the toilets. Yes. <laughs> yes, sh- certainly I could live on a roof somewhere or a mountain, but no. <laughs> Uh, the the lyrics the of the woods? title song yes i could live in the woods or a, or a ceiling or a roof but the toilet is my choice <laughs> uh, the keyboard is too big for me to transport uh, it's just easier yeah, keeps making weird excuses <laughs> yeah phantom yeah like i have a place no the keyboard you know it's i can't carry it it's, it's already down in the sewer it's fine i mean i don't want to damage can help it <laughs> There are movers who could do these things for you. Yeah. No, oh, I don't want to bad. <laughs> the rats, they're my friends. I love them. So I didn't know till recently that the character in Phantom that you, you've already mentioned, Jocelyn, uh, his mm-hmm. his name is Eric, if you do some research. <laughs> and I feel that the Broadway shows could have benefited from including his name in the title. Like uh, I had the idea they could have called it Eric's World! Exclamation <laughs> point. Um, or like, um, that's so Eric... And you, you would see the mask <laughs> and like the rose or something. Just, just two examples that I I came up with uh, off the top of my head. Eric being Eric. Eric being, yep. I feel like, is a really good one. Well, mm-hmm. it is true. I mean, the the development of a Broadway show takes so long and so many years. And so mm-hmm. certainly through all of its development, um, it was known uh, for many years as Eric the Toilet Man. Um <laughs> Eric's hot adventures down in Stinkville was was also there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, they did also button a lot of scenes with a character hooking a thumb and being like, "Classic Eric." <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, but I guess when they did the test um, <clears throat> performances for test audiences, that stuff didn't play well, so they had to <laughs> totally retool it. They had to make... Actually, this is true. Um, I know someone who got to talk to Harold Prince, who is a famed Broadway director, um, and was like, what was it like directing Phantom of the Opera? And he was like, well, I have a rule of thumb. The worse the show is, the more effects I put in. My friend was like, yes. And he was like, and that's why Phantom of the Opera has about 200 effects in every scene. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, I don't think, was playing very well. And he was like, just more sparks and bangs and explosions <laughs> less so of eric do you think that every time andrew Lloyd weber watches phantom he still gets like when uh, an explosion happens or when the chandelier falls he goes like ah! <laughs> he, he forgets he forgets it's part of the show and he gets very nervous and like leaps into someone's arms standing beside him i like to think that's true do you or alternately do you think he's backstage trying to get himself cast as the phantom like <laughs> You think he's it's a long con. <laughs> yes. I feel like I could do it better. I just know the role and he's like always working his way into makeup and they have to <laughs> someone has to just hold him back <laughs> every night everywhere. I wouldn't put it past him. Um 
I just remembered <laughs> that when I was, I think, in sixth grade, maybe fifth grade. So how old are you then? You're like nine or ten. My mm-hmm. school took a like we. I was going to school in Peterborough, Ontario, at the time, and we took a bus trip, which is like an hour and a half, two hours, to Toronto to see a performance of Sunset Boulevard, starring <laughs> in uh, starring Diane Carroll as uh, what's the character's name? Uh, Norma Desmond. Norma Desmond. So there's a bunch of school children from like a hick town in Ontario. Watching this terrible musical about like a fading Hollywood icon who's gone insane. <laughs> that must have been the most boring thing I could imagine. Awful. All I remember is that there's a scene where like and it like one of those big stage tricks where like uh, there's a whole like elevator that just like moves up and you see like the whole set move up and there's one beneath that shows like the inside of the mansion and anyway. Uh, no, none of the children liked it. Good marketing on behalf of whoever was selling tickets to schools. Yeah, I feel like that is the the number one thing you want to see as you're entering a show. Uh, is a bunch of bored out of their skulls ten year olds, <laughs> sleepy eyed and tearful from having to sing <laughs> sit through three hours plus of. That's funny. I went way. to um, I went to see Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat with my grade school. Ooh. And some kid heckled during the performance, <laughs> and like uh, no when talent, like bums. A sad... <laughs> well, when there was a sad scene, some kid in the theater goes boo! <laughs> <laughs> he did it for so long; it was so uncomfortable. Sounds like Stewie from Family Guy was in your class. You know, it could have been. <laughs> uh, but um, who's the guy? Donny Osmond was not. He was not into it. <laughs> Who's really bored by that point? <laughs> Autopilot Don- uh, Donnie. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you could really tell. I do love those shows where someone's been in it for its entire run and they visibly want to die. Um, <laughs> they've heard all of the songs of Joseph upwards of 500 times at that point. <laughs> Just another, since we're talking, this is a very theater uh, centric uh, episode we're doing this week. I remember I once uh, getting my mom tickets i think for mother's day to see a one-man show called barrymore um (laughs) about the life of john barrymore the actor and it was a one-man show performed by canadian acting legend christopher Plummer. and the tickets were were very expensive and then i definitely went with my mom and fell asleep like immediately through (laughs) most of the show (laughs) and that was a great uh, a great use of money I feel like it takes a while to really appreciate Barrymore, Christopher Plummer, and then yeah. just the act of seeing shows in general. Mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't see a lot of shows when I was younger. John has been to a lot of shows. He got to see the very disastrous Lord of the Rings musical when it was here <laughs> yeah. in its dress rehearsal. I feel like he saw its final dress rehearsal and it had so many problems that it was maybe five hours long. Oh and they God! Just sat there for hours while little concentric <laughs> rings raised and lowered, and things went wrong with the the right. fog effects. And fog would just wash over the entire audience, and they all choke. And then watch Gandalf sing another song. <laughs> well, they I, call me. Gandalf. Uh, at least that musical gave us all those classic Lord of the Rings songs. <laughs> Exactly that we know and love. My name is Frodo. I live in the Shire. <laughs> Small <I> trap. Certainly... <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of music, if I remember correctly, by some sort of like Lorena mechanic style <laughs> Celtic folk band. Oh, so the characters would faith. sort of be like, "We're on our way then," and then they'd all gesture to the side, and these women would come in with tremulous voices and oboes <laughs> and pan flutes and be like, "Wish upon a dream, Frodo." There are so many songs written in those books, like just the lyrics that I'm sure. They must have been like, it's a surefire hit. It's a, it's, it's all, it's all right there. All we got to do is just add some fucking music to these amazing lyrics. And uh... <laughs> this is my favorite thing about musicals in general is that it is, I think, pound for pound, the most embarrassing art form to ever love because everyone <laughs> seems to believe that they can do it. And then you wind up with, I, I would venture to say that 99% of musicals that are written are terrible embarrassments that people should feel bad about. But it's true. You, you see the lyrics written down and people are like, I can do that. It'll take, it's no problem. Everyone will come to see Lord of the Rings, the musical, no matter how many hours long it is. And you lose all do you want to... Um... This is a, uh, I'm going to really lower the standard of uh, the level of conversation here, but I I remember when I went to U of T, uh, for a drama class, I had to go see a play, and it was like a student play, and I went and saw it, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, you know, students in the play, I guess, Mm -hmm. and then um, at the end, there was probably like 80 people there, and then at the end, there's like a nude scene where the guy, a guy and and the woman get undressed. And the guy gets undressed and he's kind of like looks like a sort of a probably a hot guy, like a a hot actor guy. Mm -hmm. And then they took his clothes off and his penis was so small. (laughs) Not just like, oh, that's like like a bummer. Was this some, I think I know what play you're talking about. Was this the odd couple with its famous nude scene? (laughs) Uh, it could have been, Mike. (laughs) It requires a notoriously small man. I was just, all I could think about. All I could think about was like, they probably cast this guy and are like, oh, this is great. You know, he's a great actor. And I I imagine that you don't get completely fully naked in the audition. Maybe you do. I don't know. But then it must have just been uncomfortable for everybody. And also, maybe when he gets a boner, it's much, it probably is much bigger. He might just uh, have a small flaccid penis. But still, I really felt for him. And he's not even getting paid. Yeah, he's not getting paid. (laughs) I feel like, oh man, I feel like I've been not in that exact situation where people have seen my criminally small penis, but but like <laughs> certainly in a situation where you cast someone in a play or you see someone in a play and they can't actually do the thing that they've been cast for and then it just mm. occupies everyone's, like, don't you think there were so many discussions about that where they were like, you don't have to do it. And he was like, no, I will. I, I have yeah. to now. Like, what are you trying Why to I? Why, What are you talking about? Why wouldn't I? I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm an actor. <laughs> I'm an actor. I'll do it. Uh, after all. <laughs> yeah. And then someone was like, is it is it bigger if you have an erection of any kind? And he was like, what does that mean? And then it was <laughs> just... Was there an audible uh, audience reaction? Or did like did people uh, get uncomfortable in the crowd, James? Or were you, were you well, like cheering? Were you... <laughs> I mean, it was all sort of like drama students watching it, I guess. So I feel like everyone was like, yes, this is good. I... But in my head, I'm going, what the hell? I went to see a play years ago. <laughs> that was when uh, when Leonard Cohen was still alive. There was some mm-hmm. like theater company that did like a... They adapted a bunch of Leonard Cohen poems and song lyrics and parts from his uh, books. And they staged them. And the show began. The lights came up and there was just a, a oh, no. naked nerd. <laughs> 
standing really? there with like a guitar and started like singing a song and uh it was it wasn't very good. <laughs> a naked nerd. Naked nerds could naked be a nerds. follow-up to the naked news. Mm-hmm. Which at the uh pizza place on Harvard and Spadina, uh when I would go in there sometimes on Friday nights, they would be showing the naked news on TV in the pizza parlor. Oh, really? Well, you get anyway, your slice. For some fun viewing. Yeah, 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 while you wait for your your 5-day-old Garden yeah. veggie zaw. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that pizza place got busted for selling drugs as well. Did, oh, that, was that, okay, I know. Did, did the yeah. Naked News exist and were they, were they broadcasting? Uh, answer to the first part of your question, yes. It well, very much existed. Let, okay, okay. This isn't a philosophical <laughs> uh, question. Were they broadcasting uh, when 9-11 happened so that there was like a crying <laughs> naked person just like experiencing... What might have been the end of the world naked on air? <laughs> That's a great question. It would be good to find that footage, you know, like you can look up CNN footage of when the plane hit the towers. I wonder if you can yeah. look up the naked news footage. I feel like you can requisition the specific footage of the moment where a sobbing <laughs> woman with no bra on had to reveal that the twin towers. Or Jocelyn, she might have been steely eyed and stoic, you know, as she was. That's true. She was a real pro, but as soon as they yelled cut, she just started sobbing. <laughs> but she knew she had to keep it together for not even her nation. A different the nation. Horny men, the horny sad men watching at home. And if there was a male newscaster who was broadcasting, it would have been inappropriate had he been aroused during the yeah. announcement of, of the Twin Towers being uh, That's true. Attacked. He'd almost have to do something to you know quickly pu- push it down yeah maybe tape it up i don't know yeah. yeah i feel like a lot of tape or maybe they just gave him a pitcher of ice cold water that he just had to <laughs> dunk himself into the sobering Excuse revelation moment, everybody it dips his penis in ice cold water <clears throat> okay now that that's over we got some bad news so here's your ice trace. bucket <laughs> morty <laughs> get the bucket <laughs> extra cold yeah, what's the opposite of a fluffer? Is it just a teamster who has a, a bucket full of ice? You watch a teamster eat an egg salad sandwich. <laughs> just like centimeters from his body. Just like <laughs> sitting cross-legged in front of him. Stinking of paprika and mayonnaise and celery. So Jocelyn, we've had a lot of fun talking about the exciting uh, world of live theater. <laughs> oh, it's um, my favorite thing. But I want to talk to you about... Uh, about online, about yes. the online world. And there was a tweet that you posted <laughs> on May 6th mm-hmm. uh, that I want to ask you about, if that's okay. Um, Absolutely. You had tweeted, so we're all, you know, things are weird these days. We're all under lockdown. We're socially distancing. And many of us have resorted to occasionally ordering food and groceries to be delivered uh, mm-hmm. To avoid going out into crowds and and keep ourselves safe, and um, mm-hmm. you had an interesting tweet about this exact subject. You tweeted, uh, "Thinking I was ordering six tomatoes, I accidentally ordered six bags of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Good thing I have a spouse who doesn't care for tomatoes and the beginnings of an acid reflux problem." Yes. Now, <laughs> now first of all, I'd like to offer my condolences. <clears throat> Thank for this, you. Thank you um, so much. Awful mix-up. But what happened with the six bags of tomatoes? Were you able to return them? Because <laughs> returning produce is hard at the best of times, let alone uh, now. So what happened with all those darn tomatoes? 
Thank you so much for asking. It has been Great quite a saga, mark. and uh, I will I will preface my story by saying that this saga is absolutely still ongoing. So I do appreciate you checking in. Oh God. In. Um. So so we had ordered from a delivery service that usually delivers to restaurants, and now has pivoted to delivering groceries. So no means of return was possible. Um, therefore, I made the decision to slow roast six bags of tomatoes, um, <laughs> yielding approximately two to three pounds of slow roasted delicious tomatoes. Um, as it turns out, one person cannot eat more than, I would say, one tomato a day without starting to feel very unwell. Well, that's um, lowballing it. To me, I, was, I, I would imagine I could, I could picture myself <laughs> eating three to five medium-sized tomatoes a day. Well, I certainly was trying. I mean, at the beginning of it, because that was quite a while ago, um, at the beginning of it, I would try to incorporate as many tomatoes as I could into my breakfast. And so I would have my usual breakfast of two eggs and then up to five or six tomatoes. Um, Oatmeal tomatoes or Cheerios (laughs) with a side of tomatoes or coffee, tomato coffee. Snack tomatoes. Yeah, but coffee and tomatoes. Um, Really wherever I could fit in a tomato or two. Um, And I start the acid reflux problem I alluded to soon developed uh, into a full blown acid reflux problem. Uh But I powered through (laughs) and continued to eat the tomatoes. Then I got a very bad cut on the roof of my mouth. Um, oh God! So eating the tomatoes with with <laughs> a severe cut on the roof of my mouth um, means that I am in pain a lot of the time. <laughs> it's I just like a have... medieval form of torture, like uh, <laughs> forcing someone to eat tomatoes when they have a cut on the roof of their mouth. It's true. I do feel like I am going to achieve some sort of sainthood by the end of this. I still have probably one and a half pounds of tomatoes left. The pressure of so many tomatoes being packed into a small box in my fridge um, means that they're, they have separated from their skins. <laughs> so it's a lot of just loose, wet tomato and then tomato skins and then a lot of tomato water. But I feel like I have mm. to eat them still. <laughs> They're yeah. deeply unappetizing, but I did this to myself, and it's important not to waste food. So It is important. But I do feel like maybe I should tweet about it again and really let the fans know where I am vis-a-vis these tomatoes. Jocelyn, Mike has been talking about it, you know? When, like, as soon as we signed on today, we got to ask Jocelyn about the tomatoes. People are wondering. <laughs> it's important. I do think it's important to start a dialogue with people about this issue. I mean, it is true. You could find yourself in the same boat where you think you're ordering a single tomato because why wouldn't 229 refer to the price of one tomato and not somehow <laughs> six bags of tomatoes <laughs> so was it just a slip of the wrist or a uh, a bad click that uh <laughs> that made you choose six bags instead of six uh just you know six tomatoes Six solitary tomatoes. This was this was I would say bad website design on their part because mm. all it said was tomato two twenty nine with the picture of a single tomato, and so that to <laughs> me indicated one tomato. So I chose I I dialed it up to six and put great. Now I am getting six of this of right. this one small tomato. At right. no point was it made clear to me that I would be ordering bags. So I guess restaurants don't tend to order. 
tomato is like just like single tomatoes and they need to explain that on the website that's actually a very good point i do forget that this is a restaurant delivery service and it would be insane for any restaurant to order a single we need a tomato I also ordered like the biggest onions I've ever seen in my life, and I also got so many of them. So as soon as I'm hmm. finished with the tomatoes, I have to move on to eating onions the size of my actual face. Mm. Yikes! <laughs> At least those tend to keep a bit longer, I think, than tomatoes. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not. I'm not rubbing my hands and laughing at, at the onion situation you find yourself in, but thank you. I think if you keep them cool, like potatoes, they might last a while. That's true. I feel like perhaps if I can just keep them in a in a cool place, away from sunlight, mm-hmm. they'll hold on. But I, I mean, I think I think the clock is ticking. I, I mean, I don't want to alarm anybody, but I do feel like I have conservatively maybe five days to plow through the rest of these tomatoes before I'm entering Salmonella right. danger zone. <laughs> Uh, we wish you luck. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Maybe we could get an update. I would love to. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. let me know when a good time is for you, and I'll just check in with you and let you know how the tomatoes are going. Yeah. Please do, yeah. And uh, listeners, may this be a warning to you to um, double check, triple check, hell, quadruple check what you're ordering during these unprecedented times. <laughs> yes. Mm. Or have the good sense to remember that restaurant delivery services might be different than what you are used to. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, boy. James, did you have oh, any yeah. food uh, food news that you wanted to share with us? I don't know if I have food news. I had a... I mean, it's a much less interesting story where I accidentally ordered too many bananas, but I froze them. <laughs> don't sell yourself short. Well, it's not as interesting. I froze I them and, and okay. we, I had them in a smoothie. This is a good use of bananas, though. It is. But you know what? I mean, and here's another uh, boring, to further that boring story. <laughs> Peeling frozen bananas is hard. Ooh. <laughs> it's rough. know what I'm talking about? You gotta, I mean, it, your hands are cold. You can't peel it off. Woo. Yeah, nothing really takes the fun out of your morning smoothie. Like your ice cold fingers desperately trying to claw the fibrous skin of a banana off. <laughs> you nailed it. Well put. I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. I started using a sharp knife to slice them off. Whoa. Anyway, smart. if anyone has any tips, please tweet us at LT Podmas. Tips on how to deal with these frozen bananas. <laughs> Get in there. And if you have tomato tips, send them also yeah. to LT Podmas. I'll be checking please. in. Please. Recipes, tips for storage, um, tips for you know hacking a website uh, that's selling tomatoes even. In ge- oh, yes, please. I would love to learn how to hack in general, and I would love to be them to be the first victims of my mm. hackery. I, on the weekend, so, you know, quarantine, you're staying home every night. You're kind of making do with whatever you can, watching TV-wise, movie-wise. And uh, on the weekend, I watched Armageddon. Again, have you guys, how familiar are you guys with Armageddon? The famous Aerosmith am- movie, Yes. 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 I am extremely familiar with Armageddon. Um, I used to watch select clips of Armageddon every day before school as a young. Oh my teen, god! Just to see the the hunky boys. So I am. Wow. I am Who deeply familiar hunks? with this text. Oh man! I mean, there is a. I think all young women go through this phase where they really try to embrace Ben Affleck as a hunk. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it just never seems to work out because his choice of movies is so consistently poor. And he, in life, seems to be an unreliable idiot schlub. So, but but when you're around, he looks good in Armageddon, though. He's he's very thin. Very thin. Yes, I would. I would say that's peak Affleck. Mm. Right at that period. Can I say like the like. Parts of Armageddon, Armageddon are still really fun and you're entertained. But like, I, I would say, I don't know if you remember this part, but by far the worst part where I wanted to <laughs> to kill myself was when Ben and the, the miners are going under the rocket to go to the asteroid. He like the worst part of the, like everything with Ben and Liv Tyler was made me want to die. And, kill yes. them. and when <laughs> when they're leaving for the rocket, Ben kind of grabs Liv's head and starts being like. Starts singing, leaving on a jet plane. Yes. Earnestly to her face. And then all the other miners start kind of chiming in. It's <laughs> the wor- It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Is his character, does, does he Does he believe he's going in an airplane to space? <laughs> or, or he just, you know. It's, it's is- like, oh my God. He's, he's like, this, my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. You know, like that sort of thing. And then like Ving Rhames behind it being like, I'm (laughs) it's insane that was incredibly bad and the other part you know who i also think is underratedly really bad in that movie jocelyn you know like bruce willis is number two like his right hand guy the the bald guy yeah that guy had some corny corny ass lines in this movie i don't remember the line when he when um everything everything's going bad on the space shuttle and the the NASA guy pulls a gun on Bruce Willis. Yes. And Bruce Willis's number two guy goes like, Why do you need a gun in space? <laughs> Remember that? Like just wild. Yes. I believe his name is Chick. Am I remembering yes! correctly? Yes. Chick. Chick played by Will pa- Yes. I mean, it's such a... I love it for being a 90s action movie where every character is a bad stereotype that already <laughs> yeah. doesn't belong together and certainly doesn't belong together in space. So yes. you're right. Why this folksy farmer type is hanging out with <laughs> Bruce Willis on an oil yeah. rig to begin with is beyond me and certainly yeah. in space. And uh, Steve Buscemi's pretty good in it. And Mike, he's a genius. Like, do you know the story of Armageddon, Mike? Uh, there's an asteroid heading towards Earth, so they want to blow it up or they want to drill. Yeah, so what, they what get is, like the yeah. best oil mining rig yeah. crew to to fly up to an asteroid and blow it up. And they do it in two weeks as if like, there's no <laughs> chance. Anyway, and then Steve Buscemi works on the oil rig, too. And he's a genius, of course. But he's also a pervert. And when <laughs> yep. the police, well, when the government yeah. first lands on the oil rig to get them to go to NASA... Um, like, but the, the oil rig guys don't know what it is. Steve Buscemi says to Bruce Willis, uh, um, she told me she was 18. Oh, like he thinks it's, he's getting busted for having sex with an underage girl. Wow. It's fun energy. They're a family yeah. up there though. I they mean, are. They really power past their differences. I think the worst scene probably for me is the famous animal cracker scene. Oh God. Yes. Ben Affleck. I mean, they, they really try to make it seem as though Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler have any chemistry, which they don't at all by having them do generic things that someone, I guess, in like a, a a 3am Adderall stupor thought were romantic. But a lot of what it amounts to is yeah. Shouting, 
fucking leaving on a jet plane in the face of this young woman, or alternately <laughs> tucking animal crackers into her underpants in a yes. way that feels genuinely deranged. Like it, I don't want to be too gross, but it seemed like he wanted to, you know, stick an animal cracker up her bum. It or does. something. It does. It absolutely feels like he wants to stick an animal cracker up her bum. And it makes you wonder, like, what grown adult? Like, when was the last time you even considered animal crackers a food to be eaten? Why did they have those animal crackers with them? Yeah. Weird. Did they just is start like making out on the lawn mm-hmm. and he happened to have animal crackers? Or did he go back in the kitchen and get some? And he's like, these are going to be great up her bum. Can't wait to put one in there or eat it out That'll of there. That'll be fun. I, I just watched um, Ben Affleck's latest tour de force performance in The Way Back, <laughs> where he plays a uh, very depressed uh, drunk who finds meaning in his life uh, once more by coaching a high school basketball team. I'd like to see that character in a sequel to Armageddon, if it's possible, where just a schlubby guy who drinks so much that a guy at the bar has to, to walk him home every night. Um, that could be an interesting sci-fi <laughs> character. Um, but here's a question for you, Mike. Uh, who who would he eat an animal cracker off of? Who who would he put an animal cracker in their bum in the movie uh, The Way Back? In The Way Back, maybe. Well, if he's very drunk, maybe the uh, the team's chaplain. Because <laughs> the Catholic boys' uh, high school that he's coaching the team of. Um, so maybe as a joke, he would put it in the priest's uh, butt. Yeah. <laughs> I like. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, no. Sorry, I was just gonna say it was also like a kind of a um, Republican. There was a lot of like Republican messaging in Armageddon. Mm-hmm. In the opening scene, Bruce Willis is smoking a cigar on the oil rig, hitting uh, golf balls at a Greenpeace boat. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and then, oh God, I'm blanking. But there's something else that happened later. There's a lot of kind of like. Roll, ah, oh God! I wish I could remember. There's a few like rolling their eyes at like '90s Democrats in a way that was pretty funny. It's like you're right. It's a very like raw, raw, uh, America first, secretly Republican movie, and yeah. Bruce Willis is visibly angry and bored the entire time. That's right. Oh yeah, and I remember when they make their demands, like when the oil rig makes. The, Guys, they make their demands of what they're going to need to do this mission to the asteroid. The main thing is that they don't pay taxes anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the worst thing. They're libertarians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Excellent. And this was like the biggest movie of the year when it came out. Like, oh, it's a year. <laughs> yes. It's probably one of the biggest of the 90s. Right. Oh, yeah. I would think so. It was like a smash success. I mean, because that was from the fun period in the 90s where every movie was released in pairs. Like, if you had a Dante's Peak, you also had a yeah. volcano. And if you had an Armageddon, you also had a Deep Impact. Yep. And it blew <laughs> Deep Impact out of the water. Deep Impact didn't have nearly enough secret libertarianism in the movie. <laughs> or you know what? Practice. I've heard people say, like, actually, Deep Impact is better. But I weirdly watched Deep Impact <laughs> two months ago, and it sucked. <laughs> it sucked, too. I've never seen it. I feel like no one wants to see a dour movie about an asteroid yeah. hitting Earth. Because that's it. Spoiler alert. The asteroid just does hit Earth, and millions die. And that's, like, the end. That's they terrible. Make, and there's Tay Leone is in it. Everyone's so depressed right now. They should make a movie about like a fun asteroid that hits Earth and makes everyone's life better, except for the village it crushes or the city it crushes. Mm. <laughs> yes. It keeps it really... Or it only... It, somehow it manages to burn up coronavirus, and then everyone's oh, fun. Oh, man. That'd yes. be good. Fun yes. asteroid. 
Mm-hmm. You know what? Here's a fun, fun, I say. Here, a piece of Armageddon trivia. So um, when they made the movie, uh, Bruce Willis, of course, plays Liv Tyler's father. And she was 23. But the year before, he had made... The uh, Fifth Element with Mila Jovovich, where he played her lover, and she mm-hmm. was also 23. So, like, okay. I feel like part of his irritation is that in the span of one year, he entered his dad zone times, and he was not happy about it. <laughs> I wonder oh. if he, like, had a meeting with the producers, and he's like, of Armageddon, was like, I know... Uh, I'm supposed to be your father, but can't can't. Is there any way we can have a love scene? <laughs> <laughs> what if she's adopted? Hear me out. Listen. I think I should be the one sticking an animal cracker up her butt. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thinks the Earth, like life is on Earth, is going to end with this asteroid, so all of social mores are thrown out the window. So <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I think we should rewrite it, <laughs> Michael Bay. <laughs> Even Steven Tyler agrees with me. <laughs> Did you know, I read that, um, did you know that Liv Tyler thought her dad was Todd Rundgren? Yes. Until she was 13 and then realized it was Steven Tyler and then changed her name from Liv Rundgren to Liv Tyler. Wow. What the fuck? Do you feel like that was a bummer for Todd Rundgren where he was like, (laughs) hang on. (laughs) Imagine being I mean, Liv Liv might have been just jumping on the right boat, you know, because like Aerosmith still had some good hits left in the 90s. Mm, not really not really Todd I would no, say though that true. Todd is in the end uh, he's more respected uh, and his discography I think is better than Aerosmith but think <laughs> about Liv Tyler having to in her mind exchange one skinny like 70s rock weirdo that she thought was her father for another yes mm. and then like on top of that, her mom also marrying all manner of different people. Like when she made Empire Records, there's a guy in it whose name is Burko. His character's name is Burko. Um, he must have been what, like 25 at the time? And he was her stepfather because he um, had just <laughs> married her mom. So she had to do this sexy teen movie with a, f- a third father figure who was also oh, a skinny dark rocker live tyler in too many fathers (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking up live tyler's mom she kind of looks like carol baskin Ooh, yeah let's look this up oh my god oh she does actually whoa baby oh she's a famous Hmm. she was like one of a famous group of uh like the original like la groupies i think hmm Mm, yeah, I feel like there was some word about one of the characters from Almost Famous being based on her. Wow. In an unflattering way, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oh, I'm just reading. She rejects the term groupie. Anyway. Oh, oh, okay. Well, shame on you for using it. You're canceled, Mike. Bad guy. This is my. This will be my last episode of this podcast. <laughs> it's only appropriate. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Huh. Well, if you thought you were going to miss a thing... Uh, by uh, <laughs> listening to this episode, you were mistaken because we've covered all the bases today, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we covered pantomimes, Broadway, Phantom of the Opera, bloopers, mm-hmm. um, things tomatoes. that should have been called. Tomatoes. Yeah. Yes, please. I will I will check back in shortly with more, please more tomato facts about please my do. journey, my tomato journey. <laughs> and is there anything, uh, before we wrap things up, anything you want to uh, to plug at this at this time in the show. 
Oh, yes, you have a podcast, Jocelyn. I do have a podcast. It is called I Hate It But I Love It. Uh, my co-host Kat and I talk about movies that we hate and love simultaneously. This week we are talking about uh, Interview with the Vampire. So oh. there's a movie I needed to rewatch. Uh, so you should you should listen to that to hear me making fun of... Brad Pitt's very bad contact lenses um, and accent work and the rest of his performance. Yeah. And other than that, I am not doing anything with my life or time. <laughs> did, Jocelyn, did you and your podcast partner not consider maybe making your comedy podcast uh, sort of loosely real estate themed? Or... <laughs> that seems odd to me. You missed the boat. I know. I did. I feel like I really did miss a golden opportunity there. Because I bet you never, you probably never get emails or messages from people earnestly seeking real estate advice from you like we do. <laughs> Absolutely we do. Yes. That is a disaster. I mean, no, I I wish I got more emails from people requesting. I get a lot of emails that are like um all in capitals, do white men can't jump. It is my favorite movie, but <laughs> Wonderful. But no, I, I wish that people would ask for my opinions on condos because I have a lot of them. Oh, all right. Well, you you heard her, know. listeners, and uh, send your tweets and messages to Jocelyn. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Tomatoes or condos. I'll answer them both and nothing else. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Jocelyn. That was so fun. We love having you. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Um, loved getting to talk about Broadway facts with you. Always a joy. Excellent. Well, thanks cool. for joining us. And uh, you'll have to come back uh, sooner than later this time. Yes, please. All right. See you, Jocelyn. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye, James. Bye. Goodbye, my friends. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Hey, Kales, what's the last thing you watched? Judd Apatow's Love on Netflix. What about you, Justin? I just finished The Tiger King on Netflix, and it is insane. Blew my mind. Ooh, mine wasn't so much insane, more so just sad, but also funny. Isn't it amazing how media can make you feel a whole range of things? Join us on We're Totally Not Okay. But That's Okay, a podcast about the intersection between mass media culture and mental health. I'm Kaylee Legrand. And I'm Justin Van Lisa. We talk to both the people who create media and the people who consume it about how that affects their mental health. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, anything at which you can poke your finger. Shove us in your ear holes. We're hilarious. Somebody loved me. I'm also single. 